<laughs> All right, y'all, we're uh, coming to you live. Talking about Hurricane Adelia, and I've got Matt Spanton on with me. Uh, you've had a lot of experience working these storms in the past, talking to lots of roofers in the area. Uh, and last time we talked about this, so I wanted to have you on to discuss the roofer response to Hurricane Adelia. Um, what should the first question I've got is the most obvious one. What should roofers be thinking about and looking at if they're um, considering coming to Florida to work a storm? You know, Florida is a different landscape than chasing hailstorms. We talked about this with like, I feel like this is Groundhog Day. This is, this is, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We had the same talk, right? Yes, yes. Um, there, there, the claim processes here, the overall um, landscape that we work down here is totally different. And so this isn't chasing a storm, like uh, running into a hailstorm in Dallas or Denver, or, you know, Minnesota. Um, you have to have deep pockets and you have to be patient. And so what I would tell anybody who's thinking about coming here right now, and I've gotten a ton of calls and, you know, we're ramping up some residential services as well with, with some, a group of guys that are coming on board um, is to be patient. Haste makes waste. Um, fast money isn't always good money. And, um, there are an awful lot of people who ran down here after Ian that are, that left yeah. not long after broke with their, with their tails between their legs to get to the next hailstorm. And that's because they didn't allow the storm cycle to really take place. Um, and so tell it, me what it, you mean by that. Well, you know, the claim process down here and, and the actual building process is slow. And so while you could come down here and you can run out and you can tarp roofs and, um, you know, you can go get some mitigation money, even that money is going to be not, not right on tap. Right. Um, so, you know, the Florida, the Florida insurance, um, laws now are totally different. The, um, the carriers here play a little bit of a different game. Um, and, uh, it's a slow burn process. So. Um, you know, you have an awful, awful lot of work still, still wide open down in Southwest Florida, just because of this reason. And, um, you have to be patient with it and you have to have the money to be able to wait on the claim process. The, uh, you know, if you go to a hailstorm, guys are making money, you know, in the typical claim cycle, depending on how, you know, their commission structures or their pay is right. But, but typically, you know, you can get into a hailstorm, sell jobs, build the jobs and be making money within three to six weeks at the, at the worst case, right? You come down to a hurricane, um, especially in Florida, you could be looking at four to six months before you see these jobs really actually turn into anything where guys are making money. And so if you don't have a bankroll to be able to live that way um, and to be able to fund your operation and to, um, you know, just stay afloat, it can sink you really quick. Um, the difference is, is, you know, right now it is, uh, almost September. And so if people make a jump to come down and they're not well-funded and they're not patient, they can find themselves at Christmas time in a really tricky bind. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you're talking about companies and sometimes you're talking about salespeople that jump into new companies. Right. And like, you don't always, I think sometimes they come into companies where they don't always know what they're jumping into. There's, it feels like a Sorry, like we we want to have a somber tone here, obviously, because there's going to be some neg very negative things that happen. 
I'm never gleeful about crazy storms. That's never, you know, it's to me, it's not that exciting. However, it is news. We need to talk about it. Um, but I see it, salespeople sometimes jump into new companies thinking of it as a gold rush. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In these situations. And you just don't know. Like what's nice about when you, when you work a local area for a long time is that you know the owner, you know the ethics of the company, and you know how this is going to turn out. There's certainty a little bit. And, and, and with, with you know, hurricanes and, and large hailstorms, sometimes um, roofing salespeople throw that all, all out the window. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about who you do come work for, right? Um, there's, you know, a, a group of guys can go up and do okay in a hailstorm in Chicago, and that owner can do okay, and he can run the business fine. There's a lot of room for error there, and and um, but down here there's not. And so if you if you're not partnered up with the right group, you're not partnered up with the right person, um, somebody who has the experience, somebody who's honestly weathered the storm down here, um, who's done multiple hurricanes who's seen kind of the the good bad and the ugly right and and what the actual cycle looks like in it um you know you're you're putting all your eggs in the basket with with that company and um and i've seen it many many times there's some companies now that um did the complete opposite tim of what we talked about last time on, on i saw the- that i actually watched that and i was like matt spinton said not I- to do exactly what i'm seeing i don't know how many times i have people coming like dude you were dead set you're right i'm like yeah i, I don't I'm not doomsaying anything for anybody because I don't want people to come and make money. I want everybody to, to prosper and be abundant. Like, I mean, I'm all about that life, but when you get South of Georgia and you hit that line, the rules change when you get to Florida. And, um, and it's not to say there's not a lot of money to be made and a great life to be made. I moved my whole family here to Florida. Um, <clears throat> it's primarily where I work. I mean, I do work all over the country, but primarily where I do business is in Florida, but there it is just a different landscape and guys need to be aware of it because they got kids at home they got wives at home everybody's kind of counting on this this move they're going to make and before they take that calculated risk they need to look at all the factors right and the factors are is that you know it's it's a it's a longer slower burn and specifically now um after well before ian you know there were some insurance laws that were enacted um, and it really, really changed the landscape of what guys can do, who they can work with, what they can say, um, how the roofs are approved and looked at, you know, on code basis. Can you give like us that. a little cliff notes on that? Because I know <laughs> I know that there's a lot that's changed, but like, what are some of the things that have really stuck out to you? You know, the big thing is, is the AOB laws changed drastically. Um, there there is <clears throat> there is some different um takes on that, right? Um, you can use an AOB. We use AOB. We do a lot of large loss, right? So we do a lot of resorts and large condominium, uh, condominium um, you know, communities. Um, <clears throat> and so with that, we're, we're often, um, we're, we're often tethered with an attorney, right? Who's handling kind of the legal side of it. And so we use it. We use an AOB uh, a lot of times in, in the correct format. But if you're coming down here to go, um, you know, try to do, you know, 500, 1,000, 2,000 roofs and you're coming with a with a team of guys um, to send those guys out armed with AOBs who don't know the legal ramifications of saying or or doing things a certain way. The milestones that need to be met after you sign that AOB and what needs to be produced and followed up on, you can get yourself in a in a world of hurt. So that changed drastically. Right. 
Um, there's no, there's no uh, discussing claim process or um, policy details with the carrier at all. So while, while you can certainly um, meet an adjuster out on a property at the, at the request of a homeowner as a roofer, realize that you're not there to talk about, you know, what should or shouldn't be approved, right? Um, mm -hmm. Perfect example. As a roofer, I can tell you that, well, that shingle is damaged. Clearly, we can see it's gone. And in order for me to be able to replace it, here's the, here's the process I have to take, right? So I can, I can talk about that. But as soon as I, as soon as I dip into any policy language or as soon as I dip in into, into anything on the actual adjustment law side of things, then that's a red flag, right? And if you have the wrong adjuster, which, um, well, if you have any adjuster who's, you know, kind of anti-roofer or wants to, you know, be a stickler, they can report you and then they can, you know, they can start running down that rabbit hole. Contractors love the catch-all because it makes every single one of their roof builds easier and more profitable. Protective netting wraps facade and landscaping to prevent from left-behind nails and damage. Homeowner referrals bring you more jobs and insurance supplements bring you more profits. But my favorite part, branding now i've seen some very smart roofers i've shadowed them talking to adjusters one of my favorite and you tell me if this would fly there or not i'm i'm feeling they might not to be honest but i like i've seen them <clears throat> like for instance somebody who used to be an adjuster who's a salesperson telling stories oh i've seen something like this before like you know in my day when i was a an adjuster this would obviously pass completely. And I understand how difficult it is these days, you know, with some of the things they're enacting, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. where you're telling stories to kind of prime the adjuster. The, um, the big, yeah. The big thing now, Tim, right down here is to not, you can't induce an insurance claim in any way. Right. So um, you can go inspect the roof. You can come down and you can say, Hey, listen, here's what I found. Here's the pictures. Here's the shingles blown off. Here's the hail damage, whatever it is. Right. Um <clears throat> But when you get to the point to where it typically used to be, okay, so based on what I've seen and my knowledge of, of insurance claims, you know, you may, you may uh, qualify for a roof replacement based on your, on your carrier and your policy, right? Or on your claim policy. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that anymore, right? Okay. Because as soon as you say you qualify or basic, like you're now you're in adjustment. But um, what I've heard some guys have done that, that makes sense is to say, okay, well, you know, here's the damage on your roof. And based on the fact that I'm a roofing contractor, if you were asking me what, what the best means to replace is to repair this roof would cost me more than it would to just replace it. Mm. And so there's a few different ways that we can go about that method of, yeah. of replacing your roof. You know, you could, I can write you an estimate and you can just grab your visa out, right. And get your miles and swipe it and we can replace the roof. Um, there's some funding options that we have. Right. We work with some banks and we can get you some some low interest funding. Um, plug for Chris Schofield if he wants to get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schofield, okay. baby. Yeah. Um, or build on the street, decided he called his insurance company to see if they'd, they'd pick it up. They came out and looked at it. They agreed it is that damaged to where it needed to be replaced from from their, their storm. So it qualified under his policy. And they actually wrote him a check to get his roof replaced. And so. That, that's kind of, I, I think that that is, I think that's a very fair way to explain it all and to still stay in bounds um, and not step on the laws, the carrier's toes, the adjuster's toes. I mean, I just think that those are as a good way to explain it. Um, 
and still stay and still stay in the yeah. yeah yeah i like that i like that smart um i want to do a live react to the storm uh the storm f- direction here if you it looks like it's hitting north um like that's the storm path if you if you kind of look at that you were talking to me a little bit about how even though if it's not hitting these like super dense uh, areas as far as like you know houses that yeah. sometimes it's act I mean and, and I hate to put it this way better for roofers but I'm saying like you're saying less like if they weren't hit last time then there might be more actual roof damage is the point of what I'm getting at here yeah um, what can I, you talk us through a little bit about what you what you mean by that absolutely yeah what we were chatting about right was you know different areas have gotten hit through the years with different storms and I mean I know, I know Florida's gotten hurricanes everywhere all the time but there are certain areas that could be on some of these outer bands um let's just take where i'm at i'm south of jacksonville and ponte vedra beach we haven't been hit by a major hurricane in a long time if we get hit with um some some 70 80 90 mile an hour bands where we get those sustained winds this area over here could have a lot more damage than say uh, if Naples got hit again with a with a 120 mile an hour wind uh, event, because those all those roofs down there have been redone multiple times to the new codes, to the new standards, with better materials, with better application techniques, versus up here, gotcha. where things where things haven't been put on. Perfect example of that was when Michael hit Mexico Beach um, a few years back. When I was working that there was areas where the homes had been torn down and rebuilt and they were, they were within like four or five years old and they were right next to the area of the, these older homes. And when that hurricane came through all of the newer homes that had built been to the newer codes clearly held up a lot better than the ones that that hadn't. And so it's the it's same awesome. thing with these wind bands as they, as they pass through here, you'll get these gusts and they'll be in the outer sections. And if they sustain long enough, you can have damage, like I said, all the way over here on the East Coast or shoot kind of shoot up into, I think, like Savannah or something. So the point with that, too, goes back to like what we talked about before is to just be patient, like driving down here and, and running out there and trying to chase around with snores. Let it hit. Let it subside. See what's what. Drive it. See, see where actually the damage is. It's not always the best thing to go dive right into where the eye hit. And from what I know about that area yeah. where I hit the, the, the shoreline there, there's not a, a whole ton of lot to, to want to go work there anyways. So. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to hear from you. Just like a little bit about like, so what do you call the armpit of Florida? The crotch. The crotch. Yeah. Cause it's like not, I mean, this is like, for human life and all that, you know, like just people's lively, like their houses and stuff like that. Obviously this is probably a better case scenario. You know, um, we're talking about, we're talking about less houses being um, destroyed. And I, and honestly, man, I, I can have no problem rooting for that. Right. Like I, like I know that sometimes it's nice when there's damage, you know, whatever. But the point is, is like, for me, I'm like, I'm happy about that. Right. I just, I want us to kind of talk through that. So if it's hitting the crotch, there's less densely populated areas there. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, of course. That area there, you know, once you get up like north of Tampa ways, you know, it kind of gets it gets sparse up until you get up towards like Destin and all that. Right? Yeah. And then it looks like, so that's Wednesday. It's hitting there. It's going inland and then it's going to go through, it's going to hit some Georgia. There's a little bit of like, um, there's, there's little storms that are happening around the edges. It sounds like there's what in the water would be called eddies and, but there's little tornadoes that can spin off. It was a cat four when it hit, when it hit, which seems like heavy. Like it was like a cat two last night and then it hit with the cat four and then into Friday, it's getting off land and into um, the ocean. Um, and I and I never know how. I mean, maybe you know a little bit more about like how these after they've been on land for a little while, they usually lose some steam, right? And then they get up. It's going to get up to the Carolinas. It's not going to have a ton of effect on houses on average. Well, it just depends, right? Um, this is, this is the one thing to think about this storm too. And it's another reason to be patient. Some of the best work that I've ever gotten off of hurricanes, this goes all the way back to, I mean, Ike, um, comes from the, the subsequent storms or the ancillary storms that are, are, that are going on. And so like when, when we were at Michael, that, that hurricane looked horrendous. I mean, it's still to me, one of the worst like as far as damage was and just destruction, I mean, it was massive. It was crazy. And then I remember going through it and tracking it and we were in the helicopter and we were shooting over everything. And I started realizing like, man, I went here. I know those trees are all supposed to be pushed that way. And these are supposed to be this way. Like I, I know how these things work, but they weren't, they hmm. were there all over. And so what happens is you get wind wrapped tornadoes in these hurricanes and people don't know they're there. Mm. And so you'll, so that will start. And so like we had tornado warnings here all morning. I'm, I'm all the way on the other coast, right? Northeast side. Mm -hmm. And we got, we've had tornado warnings all day. Those things start popping up and all of a sudden you end up with all these little mini events all over the place and they will push all the way. I mean, even after hurricane Ike that hit uh, Houston, right? Came in Galveston, came up through Houston. Ohio had some of the best damage. I say that as a roofer. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Excuse us. <laughs> so had had some of the some of the most amount of work that came yeah. from that storm is anywhere, and that's because that traveled up and it kept staying in the system. And by the time it got there, all that warm, moist air hit that cool depression air that came down, and it started pushing up into uh, tornadoes and hailstorms there. Mm. And I mean, it and it bombed like Dayton and Columbus and all that stuff again. Um, so, I have a question too on that. Like, so talking to hail focused people up here in the Midwest, um, uh, Dan Walreck is a guy that I, I've spent some time with a very solid residential sales guy, 18.5 million this past year, which is almost unheard of. I don't know. Have you heard of a guy that sold more than 18.5 million on residential? Um, I I've heard of, I've heard of people saying they've sold more than that, but uh, this is the this is the fish story world that we live in. Okay, in I know this guy's pretty damn legit. I I we sold one fifty before lunch, and I, yeah. I hung out with him. I was shadowing him. Anyways, he was talking to me about how like it gets really overpicked in the middle of the storm too. So his his strategy is always perimeters. You know what I mean? He's going out to the edges of it, and it's like maybe they need a little bit more help too with the insurance company because the insurance company is just approving on site everything in the middle of the storm and maybe they need a little bit more and we talk about help right but uh 
like, do you think that that is kind of the similar principle that you're talking about? I know that there's offshoots of the storm. Do you think it kind of relates to what he's saying as well, where there's a little bit less, less roofers kind of sitting in there? Well, I mean, what he's talking about is, is kind of working the, working the, like we called the fringe, right? So yeah. when a storm hits, you have the low hanging fruit, right? Which is the worst damage. Nobody's denying anything. They're kind of like we used to call Stevie Wonder Hail, right? Like yeah. it. it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Helen uh, Keller is buying this roof. But um, often guys who don't like to go in and compete into the into the heavy hit areas, which, uh, you know, understandably so, they'll go out into those offshoot areas. like We call them the fringe areas and they'll try to work that. The the um, immediately following a storm that can be. It can be advantageous. It can also it can also be very detrimental in a sense to where if an adjuster is if adjusters are keen and told to like, hey, here's what we're buying right now. You know, they have their they have their QA meetings and their adjuster meetings where they they are basically told, hey, this is our this is our criteria for what we're paying for. And um, if you if it's not there, don't buy it. And so if they're saying, hey, we need hail strikes through the mat and we need. 15 a square regardless or it's not passing qa and your claims are getting approved those adjusters will go out to those marginal areas and say hey man call me in three months call me in six months they know this the storm will spread like a ripple effect too but they can't buy because an adjuster the guy that goes out there even though he gets paid on a lot of them gets paid on what they buy right if they're independents he has to have a criteria that he fits. So when he slides that file through, his boss looks at it and goes, okay, this is we, this is in our criteria. Mm-hmm. He goes out and starts looking at files and starts buying roofs that are 30, 40 miles outside the big, the big bomb hail. And he starts sliding in some marginal stuff. His QA is going to say, uh-uh. He's going to kick it back. And then that guy's not going to get paid for his time working on that file. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, a, there's a give and take to that. It's got to be, it has to be legit damage and it has to be, um, within the, within the means of what they're paying for at that point. So yeah, I had a lot of guys, you know, we used to run hundred and 150 guys. I'd have guys like that a big group of guys heard would go into where, you know, the, the big shit hit. And then a few guys would try to go out to these kind of fringe areas. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you spend three, four, five weeks building a, a book of business. The adjusters start coming out, looking at it and they start saying, nah, yeah, maybe, maybe in six months we'll buy it, you know? It's a risk, right? Risk and reward. If you truly believe in what you're doing and you want to be the best version of yourself and you want to build a great organization, there's no other place to do that besides the Roofing Academy. So let's talk about, you know, what what did we learn from that? Like we already talked about a little bit, but I want to cover it again. What did we learn from last time? What's different about the storm what do you think will be different just based on like roofers reactions here? Because they probably, hopefully some people learned some stuff, you know, and this one was recent, recent, like a, there's usually a little, I don't know. Does it, it seems like there's a little bit more time in between these things sometimes. I don't know. Lately it feels like they're coming in waves. Um, yeah. I will say what I'm hoping that people learn is, is a little bit of patience. I do know a lot of people came down, went all in and left with their tails between their legs and, and there, but there's been, but, but I'm incredibly thankful for all those guys that there has been some really good hailstorms throughout the country. And there's a ton of work in Denver and there's a ton of work up in Minneapolis and um, up in Chicago. And I know there's, well, there's always work in Dallas, right? Probably hail by noon there again today. <laughs> uh, 
And so, and it, I know Atlanta's got a ton of work and all that stuff. I know guys up there are doing great. Um, like if you're going to make the jump, like come down funded and ready. And I'm hoping that if they, if they can make their money up there and come down funded, they'll be okay. If they decide to make that jump. Um, that's, that's the big thing for me. Like when we talk about storms and, and the way that things are, it is slow here. It's a slow burn. Um, the idea of coming just to make fast money, of course you can probably come down and tarp roofs, but again, in that area and where this is hitting, it's not Naples and it's not Ponte Vedra beach. Right. And so mm -hmm. I don't know how many of these homeowners, depending on where it hits and where people go have five, six, eight, ten 10 grand just to, just to, to stroke a check. I mean, look at the houses that you're looking at as you're driving by here. I haven't surveyed the area. I don't know the logistics. I don't know the demographics as far as median home income and all that type of stuff there. But you got to look at it too. Somebody's got to pay you or you got to wait for the carrier. So if you go out there and you rip through and you tarp 200, 300 houses and these people aren't going to just stroke a check for it, you're going to have to wait on that money too. You got to pay the crews, right? The material is not really that expensive or you can leave it on your lines, however you want to do it there. But you're going to have an expense in and then you're going to have to wait to get paid even on that too, right? And then we got to look at one thing with that. If they don't buy the roof or... Uh, down here, you know, we have percentage deductibles. There's a big chunk of that money that comes out of that first check. So if you got a four or $5,000 tarp bill and the roof's only going to be 15 grand, if the house is a $400,000 house and a 2% deductible, eight grand of that gets getting eat up right in your deductible check, right? So people have to be smart. You have to know the math. You have to know how things work and you have to know like you know, what you're going in with and, and uh, what your cash flow is going to look like. So absolutely. Um, I want to invite people to ask questions. This is a unique podcast. We don't normally go live like this. So I want to, so feel free to ask questions. Neither of us are weather experts. We can only look at the, uh, the storm path here and make, you know, we're, we're going to the crotch of Florida and then also given Matt's extensive background in the area and what roofers have seen, what he's seen. So would love to invite you guys to ask questions. Feel, feel free to ask questions in the chat and um, we'll see if we can answer them for you. Otherwise, um, Matt, well, you know, what if this, you know, the, it doesn't look like it's going to be that crazy as far as like, it's not going to be the last one. What was the last one called again? We did a whole podcast on it, but Ian, Ian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we, we did a whole podcast on Ian, but like there's less, there's going to be less. It looks like there's going to be less damage if I had to guess, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, just because, and then also you're talking about the demographics might be different, might be a little yep. bit different, might be less free flow money on the homeowners that did get hit, which is, Hey, that's part of what incentivizes the, the mad rush sometimes yep. of people coming down. If you'd, if you'd look at the companies, you know, you mentioned companies that were YOLOing their whole lives into Florida. Um, what do you see as like, there, and there was some people that went out of business. We saw people that went out of business. We saw salespeople that got screwed. We saw, we saw um, companies that had a good market. I, I saw clients that had a good market 
lose their foothold in their, their current market and go down to Florida. There's, there is consequences for making dumb decisions in this. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make some money. It's just what are the, try to make long-term decisions here as well, right? Like don't lose your current market completely because you want to make some money here. That's something. Um, is there any other consequences that you saw? And then I want to end if, you know, with questions, but I also want to end with positive stuff too, but any other consequences, um, that you saw that roofing companies experienced that weren't prepared or did this wrong? Yeah. I mean, I think when you, I think one of the big things that you see with a lot of these guys, like we're talking about as far as consequences, right. If we're talking about on the negative side is being that guys come down here, they want to make fast money. There becomes a, there come, there becomes a, a point to where um, they get antsy. The sales guys, if they're not getting their commissions in it for three, four or five months, because the roofs can't be built or the claims are slow, the depreciation slow, all that much slower than what they're used to. At some point they want to go somewhere else and work. And if mm -hmm. your company is not going to set up somewhere, you're probably going to lose those resources. That happens a lot down here. Um, mm -hmm. That happens a lot. And so Florida is a decision that if people are going to make, and what I would say from this, and I can speak from personal experience, if you're going to make the jump to come to Florida, don't plan on jumping back. And that doesn't mean that you can't keep your business elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. But I would come and plan on keeping a long-term foothold in Florida. Yeah. Um, it's it, number one, it makes a lot of sense because it, we're always going to have work. The money's good. Where, where, and what I've said my entire career, what 20, sorry, my 23rd year in this industry, anywhere where it's really hard to work and where it's difficult and where it's a pain in the ass and where it's, you got to overcome obstacles and red tape and whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be, um, it could be immigration in North Dakota, like we dealt with in, in 2007, or it could be, um, you know, insurance laws down here, like we dealt with this last year, wherever it's very difficult to work there. Also, it will be a plus side to the profitability and the competition. Right. Um, so I choose to work where it is usually the most difficult to work. It thins the herd out of everybody just you know, being able to come in a truck and compete with you. And also it tends to drive the numbers up. Right. So there's good consequences too, right? There's good, yep. there's, uh, there's good results from it as well. So, all right, we've got a live question here. Um, I'm going to Josh, <laughs> go to Josh Henderson. He says, what would be an adequate war chest number roofers should have set aside before making the trip there? I would love you to take a shot at a real, a real number, even though it's a, it's a, intense question yeah i i think for me that that's a that's kind of a loaded question in a sense to where um a couple things if we're looking by the way there's no consequences if you haven't noticed on the on the real news there's no consequences if you're wrong yeah yeah exactly <laughs> except for this person yeah the uh it depends on are you talking about as a roofing company owner or are you yeah i think about that's i think that's what he's saying as then, a roofing company owner so then my so then my fob would be you know, what's your overhead, right? So I, so I guess as, as far as a factor is I would figure, um, I would figure that you should have at least six months cash flow to run your normal overhead, um, without ever having to put a penny in and you'll be safe. Six months. 
So if your average cash, if your average payroll is 30 grand a week and your average overhead, you know, drain is 20 grand a month, like say, let's say that's, you know, what, what would that be? 170 grand a, a month, multiply that by six and make sure you got that in the bank to come down here with. That'll give you a, that'll give you a breather. Um, I can tell you when, when I came down for the first time, I was very fortunate. I was coming off of a huge, uh, two huge years up in DC. We did like 50, some 51 million and 53 million. It cash flowed really, really well. My guys all came down here. They had all just made a ton of money for, for a couple of years in a row. Um, and as we were setting this storm up, all that money was, was cycling in from the last storms. So it was a, it was a good situation for us, except for, you know, tile was eight to 12 months out to build roofs. So I was very fortunate that I had that huge cash flush coming in um, to be able to kind of weather that cycle. But I, I think that for the most, for the average guy, I think if you could have about six months worth of, worth of actual overhead, that'll give you enough cushion and, and be safe to come down here and work. I'll try to shout out your company too. If you ask questions, Josh Henderson is from all American roofing. Cool. And um, we've got another clip here. I'm just going to take a look at it. Um, this is uh, the land uh, landfall situation. So there's certainly going to be some roofs affected. I mean, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm seeing, I'm, you know, for instance, my, my family had a, a they're on Idabel. Uh huh. Wait, is that the name of the Isabel? I'm trying to remember what the shit. Never mind. They're on a little island that was greatly affected. Um, oh, Patriot Roofing and Exteriors. Haha. Not sure where you got All American. No, sorry about that, Josh. Um, but shout out to your company. Um, what we saw, I, I'm trying to remember where my parents are, but they're putting on a metal roof. So it's interesting. People like kind of getting wise to this stuff where they're like, you know what? We're going to upgrade at this point just because it's really obnoxious replacing a roof. Well, um, what you're seeing too is a lot of the folks are switching from tile to metal just because of the, the availability of it. And so it's, it is very common to have a metal roof on a coastal home. You know what I mean? Yeah. The look of it, the aesthetics of it. And yeah. we, can we can slap a standing seam roof on right now, whereas some tile is still you know ways out. So we've seen a big push for that for sure. Um, I'm just seeing if there's any other questions. I would love it if a few more people, I see some people in here, please ask a couple questions to round this conversation out, but I want to end with a little bit of positivity. Um, besides the questions, feel free to ask positive or negative questions, but positivity around what have you seen as positive things that have happened since the last hurricane for the roofing community in Florida? What are some positive things? Um, so as far as for the roofing community, I think that it's caused people to be a little bit wiser, um, to, to actually be more of stewards of their business rather than being so, um, like you said, just kind of YOLO, just go in yeah. like cheese, right? Um, which always breeds a better business owner, it breeds smarter business owners. And of course, we always have guys that learn this and cycle off. And so I'm hoping that it, it, it continues on that type of um, you know, um, path for the guys in this industry who spent some time down here to know that there is a more calculated and, um, and, and better way to run a business rather than just running off the seat of your pants, you know? Um, yeah. because ultimately it'll bring more, more, um, security 
course yeah. I go. Yeah, professionalism for the client and security in their in their businesses and that. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, pressure makes diamonds, right? So when guys come down here and they have to learn these ways and learn how to run in this business, they become they become better businessmen. You know. All right, everyone. If you could give this live stream a bunch of thumbs up and hearts, it would allow more people to see this. I think that this is a good message. Always a good message from you, Matt. I really appreciate you spending the time. Like I was saying in your comments the other day, I don't think, you know, you don't have to do this, you know, like this, there's nothing about this. That's like monetizable at the moment from what I understand for you. Um, I'm, I'm going to welcome you to pitch something at, you know, whatever you got going on at the end, but like, it's just very nice of you to spend the time to do this. And we really appreciate it. And I know that there's a lot of complexity with Florida and with the insurance stuff going on. So be careful, study up. This is just a, like, just a reminder and a overview, but study up. If you're headed down there now, I know there's probably some cars on their way. <laughs> there's okay. probably some, some, uh, caravans on their way at the moment at uh, some roofing caravans For sure. and and always you know like i always want to say you know people can shake a stick at roofing for being a little bit like hey not not excited but at least like interested in helping right but guess what you need you need roofers you need roofing salespeople. you need people to get the word out you need people to help from what I understand, if you're a homeowner right now, and if your home is affected, then you'd want to get that kind of rolling quick, especially with the amount of time that it takes to get in queues, to to get through the insurance process that gets a little overbearing sometimes during situations like this. So the sooner the better. And I would say, obviously, you know, uh, you know, just being smart about this stuff. So study up, don't, don't take this as your full primer, of course, but uh, Matt, what can, what can uh, you direct people to just, so I want to give you a chance to plug your stuff here. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, no, I, I enjoy coming on here and I enjoy, uh, you know, this industry has given a lot to me. Um, so it's nice to just offer guys a little bit of that information, hopefully steer them away from anything that could, that could affect them in a, in a negative way. Um, if anybody needs any help or um, has questions, they're welcome to PM me. Anybody who knows me or has known me for a long time knows I'm always willing to take a question and help a, help another guy out. Or um, if they need help down here, you know, we're available. We're always willing to work something. And we'll tag him in this uh, mm-hmm. live video so you can comment beneath here too. And, and I'm sure Matt over the next day or two could get to those questions as well. Yep. Really appreciate everyone watching. Godspeed. And uh, good luck as you uh, are out there. Stay safe and grateful for all the, the 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 courage of the roofing community as it as it pushes into things like this and and helps homeowners so and, and property owners. So really appreciate everyone out there and uh, grateful for this industry as well. And the podcast is put on by HookAgency.com. Hook Agency all over social. Have uh, an amazing day.